1: My guest in the A Game Podcast is Eric Martel. Eric Martel is a turnkey master, long life entrepreneur, been investing in real estate, bought his first multifamily property when he was 18 years old, and has gone on to go through all the processes to eventually come around to discovering that there is a huge demand for turnkey real estate for investors that might not have the time or the experience or the knowledge to put into finding the right stuff, but they still want to get in the game. So, turnkey is a great thing we're going to talk about a lot during this, uh, this episode. We're going to discuss entrepreneurial hurdles motivation, parts of success. We're going to go into some of the tactical things of where you should be investing for your markets. What's the best rental markets? What do you look for in good rental markets? How do you know if a market's good or bad? Every market has a good area and a bad area. We are going to discuss exactly what the benefits of turnkey is, what the pros and cons are of finding your own property, doing your own rehab, putting your own management in the types of returns you should expect on a typical turnkey property in some of the markets that we're dealing with, and a bunch of different things that are knowledgeable, relevant. And amazing for any business owners, entrepreneurs, whether you're new, whether you're starting to scale up, whether you're already high level, it's a great episode on many different levels. So I appreciate Eric Martel coming on, sharing his knowledge, sharing his experience, check the show notes for all the ways to connect with him and while you're there. Of course, as always, this episode is brought to you by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD and Nationwide Capital Business Group. So if you need money, go to Nationwide Capital through nicknicknick.com slash links. Under affiliates, you will find Naked Warrior Recovery CBD, which you can go and put in promo code a game for anything you take out of that CBD. If you have not tried it, it's a wonder drug. I highly, highly recommend you get into the game on CBD stuff. Take it for at least 30, 60 days. You will be amazed at all these nagging aches and pains that start to go away and your energy starts to go up. Also, when you want that money, reach out to Mary Tell the A-Game podcast sent you, and that you want the most competitive rates in terms, regardless of what your experience level is. She has a way to help you get in the game and get some funding. Most importantly, reach out to me directly. If you would like to find out ways that I can sell you some maybe properties that you want to invest on, whether it's commercial, mid sized commercial, land development deals, rentals, flips, whatever it may be. If you would like to sell me some properties, I'm always looking for deals. Or if you don't even really know what you want to do, you would just like to have a discussion about how we can work together or maybe partner together on some things, text me 516 540 5733. Again, that is 516 540 5733. And just text me, let's talk real estate, and we will get on, we will have a call nicknicknick.com slash links is all the ways to connect with this show on all the social media platforms and all the ways to subscribe, including our YouTube channel. Please, please follow us on social media. Please subscribe to this podcast. And I post clips all the time. We put a lot of time into this and getting great guests on for you guys to learn from and to get uh, some good knowledge from and to connect with. So please let them know that you are watching and listening by connecting and, and commenting and liking our posts on social media sharing them when you can please it goes a long long way for the algorithms and for us to be able to continue to get guests on this show so thank you so much for doing that thank you so much for following us and participating and listening to this podcast thank you Eric Martel for coming on check the show notes for all the ways to connect with him and last but certainly not least for your free checklist on how to bring more values to your buyers whether you're a real estate agent broker or wholesaler go to nicknicknickcom slash links
0: have a great day everybody
1: so All right, today we have an entrepreneur, a project management expert, business owner, and consultant. He's a full-time real estate investor who has experience not only in the U.S., but also in Canada. He purchased his first multifamily property at the age of 18 years old and is now the founder of Martel Turnkey. He's posting over 100 turnkey properties in a year, and they are on pace to knock out 200 this year. He's on a mission to help people just like you break away from trading time for dollars and has literally wrote the book on it titled, Stop Trading Your Time for Money, A How-To Guide to Achieve Financial Freedom, Early Retirement, and Provide a Legacy for Future Generations. Him being a father himself who has involved his entire family in his real estate business, he understands the importance of that and is now also launching phase one of a special tokenized real estate fund, which we will talk about today. He is a Honorable guests, kicking butt all over, great Instagram to follow, put all the show notes on there. And most importantly, what he is, is our guest today on the A-Game podcast. So thank you so much for being here, Mr. Eric Martel. Thank you, Nick. Well, what an introduction. I hope uh missed <laughs> <that's...
2: laughs> oh, So yeah, I'm glad, glad you have me, you're having me on.
1: Thanks for coming on, man. I've been, uh, I've been listening to your stuff for a while. I've been following you for a yeah. while. So it's really good to get on and connect today. For people who aren't 100% familiar with you yet, can you give a quick like 30,000 foot view of who you are and where you came from? And then I'd like to dissect a lot of those pieces of what you're doing now. Yeah.
2: I mean, you already mentioned that I, I touched on real estate when I was very young. I had a mentor that helped me do that. Um uh, uh, but I continued after that. It was very difficult for me to kind of like get into this. I didn't have any goal of achieving financial freedom at 18 years old. I didn't want to retire early <laughs> at 18 years old. So I kept on working. I worked as an actuary and eventually uh, became an independent consultant, moved to uh, California, where I worked for actually a company that I had tons of stock options moved in 2000 and had, I don't know if you remember the dot-com crash, mm-hmm. but basically uh, wiped me out. Um, so lost millions of dollars in, uh, in stock options. And, uh, and I knew that I, I had to do something different. I had to be more in control of, uh, of my investment and uh, in my business. And I wanted to have passive income. This is kind of where, where I started to look for passive income. And I kind of, I looked in, in, I was in the San Francisco Bay Area at the time, and it was, it didn't make sense. I looked for apartment buildings to rent. I looked for houses. I looked for all kinds of things. And the numbers didn't make sense. They uh, basically, they went cash flow because it was so expensive. And it was also, if you wanted them to cash flow, you had to put so much money down uh that you know the return on investment was like one one percent you know your cash on cash return was one maybe two percent if you were lucky so a lot of it didn't make sense i could have looked some people that i know uh they went to like fresno and stuff like that way out there and uh i didn't feel like driving like you know three three four hours to to get there so i kind of like i said okay it doesn't make sense So instead, I started different businesses. So my wife and I started a low-carb grocery store. We had like a gourmet sauce company. We had a catering business. I did a lot of independent consulting. So we did all kinds of things like that. And the hope was always that that we would be able to put some managers in place. And then the company would be profitable. We'd pay all the staff and be some cash flow remaining at the, the end of that. And, you know, it, it is possible to do that. It's a, long, it's a long road and a lot of hard work uh, to get there, but uh, it, is, it is possible to, to get there. Uh, the last one that we did was that gourmet sauce company and we worked at it for five years and it was still just breaking even. And there was really nothing in, that we looked at in the future uh, about kind of like, okay, well all this, if we do this to change, then all of a sudden it's going to unlock the potential of that sauce and of these sauces. And then would be cash flowing and stuff like that. So we, uh, things had changed during that time, since 2000, you know, you had the iPhone, the camera, you had the DocuSign, like electronic document signing and all of that. You had Zillow, Trulia, you had access to all kinds of information. And then, um, and then one of my sons would say, Hey, I want to invest in real estate. Uh, he was I think he was 18 years old or 19 years old and I said I want to invest in real estate I said oh boy it's <laughs> so, okay let's look at that and then um, so we looked in the Bay Area but uh, again do some flip do wholesaling see if we can do any rentals the, again the, 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 we were like a, a small fish in a big pond it felt like uh, we all you know we needed like millions of dollars really to make it work a construction crew and all of that and um, <clears throat> so we said well, it didn't re- really work but we had all these new technologies now and we said well what about like if we were doing like passive income but uh, like rental properties but outside in another state so just that question having that question would say like yeah we want to do passive income we want to do rental properties so the question is, how do we do it? Where do we do it? And we started thinking a little bit more strategically about where to invest. And we said, OK, well, let's imagine what is the best market for people to invest in rental properties. Well, you want to have the law on your side. So we're looking for landlord friendly states. We're looking for um, you know low taxes. We're looking for a good economy. Uh, You know, reasonable, sustainable growth in terms of population. We have business diversification. You know, and also kind of, if we look at the median house price and the median rent, we're also looking for something that is around the one the one percent rule, kind of as an aggregate. So it's not it's not uh, it's just some criteria and some filter to identify some markets where you know we should we should look into in more details. And uh, just doing that, I mean, basically eliminated, you know, 80% of the the metropolitan areas in the U.S. Uh, And then we dove down into a bunch of them that were more promising. We looked at where other investors were doing it and stuff like that. And we focused on Memphis, Cleveland, St. Louis, and Detroit. Uh, That was our main focus, uh, not Detroit, uh, the first three. We didn't have Detroit until later. So it was Memphis, Cleveland and St. Louis. That's where we started. We bought our first house in in Memphis and then kind of build a team there, like talk talk to a realtor, a property manager and stuff like that and connect all the dots, who's going to be the contractor and all of that. And then we did our first house and uh, it was very, very successful. You know, I think we paid like $40,000 house, $40,000 for the house california dollars that is uh, nothing uh so uh and then we had like ten thousand dollars i think in rehab and then it appraised after that for refi at eighty thousand yeah eighty or seventy thousand so we were able to basically get all our money out and the property was cash flowing so it was like this is infinite returns <laughs> we need more of that and uh, so yeah, we started doing that and uh, doing two after that. When that worked out, we said, okay, let's do two. And then let's do three. Let's, uh, let's, do a Cle- let's start Cleveland. Let's build a team in Cleveland and all that. And uh, eventually our f- family and friends, our circle of friends were kind of like wondering what we were doing. Uh, because we had done all these other businesses in the past. So they kind of like, they knew we were up to something somehow. And uh, they say, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" So we're investing in rental property. They say, "Oh yeah, where?" You know, and uh, in Memphis and Cleveland. I say, "What?" said, <laughs> "Memphis, Cleveland, what are you doing?" And so, so we talked about, talked a little bit about that and why we're doing that. And then some of them uh, invested with us, the the joint venture, or lent us money. Uh, some other ones were, uh, say, Hey, I really want to have a rental at the end. Okay. Would you be willing to sell me a rental when it's all finished? And, uh, I said, okay. And we had a few people like that. it's like, maybe there's a, uh, maybe there's a business there for us. And this is when we converted that into Martel turnkey, um, uh, and about like six, six, seven years ago. And this is where we've been you know, basically selling turnkey rentals, turnkey single family rentals to investors. We want to build a passive income portfolio and retire early, uh, ge- generate multi-gener- uh, multi-generational wealth and uh, all that good stuff.
1: That's incredible, man. There's so many things to dive into on that. So going oh, yeah, back. I was, a little,
2: I was a little lengthy, but you know. I think no, that, that was, was good, cool, man. Cool, so many cool good picture. talking <laughs> points.
1: I thought you did a great job there. So c- touching base on one of the things you said that I, I keep finding is a very common denominator that. I see in almost every success story, no matter whether it's real estate or athletics, it almost doesn't matter what it is, that people, A, try a bunch of different things and fail at them. And a lot of the time, there's people that when you go big, you wind up taking a substantial loss. But the people that wind up on top, they don't let that loss make them quit. It's it's that old Rocky story about like no matter how many times you get knocked down, it's how do you get up. And Really, that's the essence of what I see successful businessmen, entrepreneurs, and just people in life do. So backing onto, you tried a whole bunch of different things prior to real estate. I see that a lot, that they'll try a bunch of different things, but then the thing that really takes you from being able to supplement whatever your full-time gig was, is always real estate. And then after they make money in real estate, they can catalyst these other businesses. So what was it that gave you that entrepreneur book? Because obviously right from the beginning- you weren't looking to just settle for the average nine to five type of lifestyle.
2: I knew that when I was like 10 years old or nine years old. (laughs) I I literally, I mean, I saw my parents, my parents were great. I mean, they were, uh, but they were lower middle class. Uh, We lived in the the boonies, uh, pretty much like the population of that city I grew up in was uh, 25,000 people. And uh, you know it was nice nice little town and all of that, but I was we were like very remote away from the big cities, away from the action, away from everything. And uh, yeah, my parents were working like paycheck to paycheck. Uh, you know there was really nothing there was no savings per se. Uh, luckily for for my father, for my parents, they had like uh, a defined benefit pension plan, so a corporate pension plan that, basically said well if you work for us for 25 years we're gonna pay you like you know fifty percent or sixty percent of your salary um, and then so you know that's what he re- he's still retiring on on that pension plan today but these things don't exist anymore and um, and I knew that I didn't want to uh, I, I, yeah I, that didn't work for me like to basically be kind of okay yeah just living uh, on the uh, living on the edge kind of like at the, just at the surface is more like it and uh, I wanted to kind of like you know to, to see more do more and all that and I knew that and I was looking at you know the stock market I was looking at other business people and all of that and you know they were very successful they had like big houses they had uh, all kinds of things and I saw that some of the, them had businesses that failed and, um, and, but there was also some other businesses that were really thriving. Like I knew a guy that had just like, uh, fries, uh, kind of like a, a little side hut on the side of the road. And then he was just selling like fries and, and chicken or something like that. And, uh, you know, and then, but that little tiny thing grew into a restaurant and then to multiple restaurants and stuff like that. But I still remember that he started selling fries and chicken on the side of the road in a little, um, you know, food truck kind of thing. And so that was very inspiring. And then I saw other people that lost businesses that failed, but they still had their nice house, they still had their nice cars, they, all of that. But they tried something, yeah, they and then but they lost it. And it's just like, how does that work? And I asked my parents, and was just like, okay, well. Because they're cheaters and they're criminals, (laughs) and that that didn't work for me. Like I thought, no, I think you're missing something. There must be some other reason why these people are able to do this. And um, you know, they they use their money, they use their time and stuff like that to invest. And uh, even if they fail, there's there's a kind of like a back, uh, the safety net that you know protects them, and they still have their lives together and they just lost their business. And that's when I kind of like unraveled that a little bit more when I went to school and learned more about businesses and how to organize and structure your business, your entities, so that, yeah, you don't lose your house, you don't lose your car when, you know, you uh, one of your businesses failed. You just, you know, you're, you're structured a certain way to protect yourself. And this is the whole reason. And the whole system is built that way. So people need to take advantage of that and uh, take advantage of know the rules. Take advantage of the rules, just like everybody else, and then you know try different things, try different businesses, and uh, you know some
1: of them are going to work. You know, I I use the analogy a lot of dating because I think it's so relevant to everything. And it's something everybody can understand. But people, they're they they want more, but they don't want to take any sort of risk. They're so scared to make the wrong yeah. decision. Or And they don't understand that. like It's like, well, I'm not going to pick something or move in any direction because what if it's the wrong direction? And all these yeah. other things fail. But just like you said with the different stuff you tried, it's almost like to find the businesses that's going to work for you and find the thing that's going to be your catalyst to financial freedom, you have to maybe date a few other businesses and see yeah. if business and entrepreneurship or products are are good for you. I mean, Mark Evans makes a joke about people are making millions of dollars a year selling sex toys on Amazon. Like what's your excuse? And it, it's gotcha. kind of true. So I, I like that you did say that because I never thought of it in that same distinction of sometimes you have to try a bunch of different things. And to your point about the markets, a lot of the ways I have figured out in life about what I want is by figuring out first what I don't want. So it becomes process of elimination and focusing in on those things. So I think that that's a, a great way to look at it. The way you broke that down. I appreciate that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And none of the businesses that I did were actually I I, know, I didn't lose money on any of them. I broke even on all of them. All of them. Some of them I made a little bit of money, and I said, "Well, it's not worth my time to be doing this." And uh, you know, work very hard at these businesses to get them off the ground. And if they don't they don't produce the result that you expect, then let them go. So that's kind of one one thing that happens with people when they invest. They kind of their business is basically another job and this never makes enough money to uh, to get them out into a passive income I mean my goal has always been to be an investor to be away from the business and then let it run Um, so but if a business is not growing rapidly enough is not producing enough revenue and you, you know you're doing some projection and you say, well, 20 years from now I'm still going to do this job. Well, that that doesn't work. That business doesn't work. You have to uh, you have to think differently about the business, or you have to do an, uh, get out and do another business. And this is why it's uh, it's important. I mean, whenever I start a business, I always think big first. <laughs> so I never, you know, my family kind of gives me some some slack on the you know some trouble on that because it's just like. No, I just want to keep it small. Like, no, you can't. <laughs> you have to think big. You have to think big from the from the start from the start. So that because you think differently. You think differently about how you set up your business, how you organize your business, how you um, just to give you an example. So this sauce company, uh, a lot of people start in the sauce business by make making the sauce themselves they rent a little kitchen they do this they do that they do some fancy packaging and all of that and they say you know and then 30 percent of their cost is the packaging you know and then the other thing is uh is cooking the sauce and the rental and all of that and then they make a little bit of money and it's doing well they go sell it at the farmer's market and you know it, it's working well but then the next step after that, if you if you really want to go, you, you need to, you can't spend your time on the farmers market. You have to spend send, spend your time selling to the Whole Foods, to grocery store and distributors and stuff like that. You have to think about the whole distribution channel to get to you know eight hundred or a thousand grocery stores. So then you have to kind of like look at all the markups for each of the different layers in the distribution. You need to look at the different. Then you have to review the packaging and if it was if it was successful semi successful when you were doing the farmers market and cooking in your kitchen now you have to you know cook a massive amount of sauce you have to bottle it in uh, you know all of that it's a different scale and then now you're basically stopped because you didn't think big enough from the beginning so you have to think about you know all the layers you have to think about all the distributions you have to think about the manufacturing up front in my opinion and then figure out okay well this is how this business is going to work and you make some projections and stuff like that and um, this is how we were you know when we started the the sauce company this is why we were you know semi-successful we were in like uh, over uh, 400 whole foods we were in um Across the US, we're also selling the sauce in Canada, but that's because we we thought about all these things first and we didn't cook the sauce in our kitchen. We had a, a co-packer that was doing the work for us. Um, so I think that's that's the that's the key here is to really think about, about these things, like think big up front, and then it's gonna force you to think differently about how you organize your business, how you organize your uh, some decisions that you're gonna make. so that's, that's my point of view on that.
1: That's awesome. You know, and I, I like the the thought process of always reverse engineering. I'm huge on that is put the thought in for where you want it to go and then backtrack so you know where to start. Cause I feel like too many people just jump in and they don't do any of that initial stuff. And it's like, Hey, well, you know, this is where you, well, I just want to jump in. I don't want to make a mistake. It's like, no, you don't want to do any work that's what you want you know you just so exactly. it's a crazy thing which which is a, a whole other topic i want to touch on is people not yeah. willing to do the work that you did but mm-hmm. before we jump into more of the tactical side the last part of that story that i really want to ask you about you said you lost millions of dollars when the market ch- turned and there was the whole dot com burst what was it in you and what type of conversations were you having with your family after taking a loss and then saying i'm going to jump back into something else now because a lot of people would then kind of cower and then get away. We don't want to do this anymore. Let's play it safe. And Mm -hmm. you went right back in big again. And I always find that fascinating to hear the narrative of what played on in your head and the people heads around you. Yeah. I mean,
2: I think that, uh, I think it kind of propelled me. I mean, to me, it's always about, it's not about the hardship that you are put in front of. It's kind of like how you react to the hardship, right? So somebody, you know, have, Mm -hmm. have a car accident and they get a car accident and they, Get some kind of you know a health problem and stuff like that and you have people that are going to be stuck in their little uh rut and not and kind of uh, be miserable and then you have other people that are going to say well take the horn by the hand and, and stuff like that and start you know and i said I'm, I'm gonna start doing this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna be more active i'm gonna be more active than i was before <laughs> before this uh this thing happened so, I, and I think I always thought that, yeah, it's, it's kind of how you react to some of these situations that's more important than the situation himself, them, themselves. And then, uh, so that's why I think, uh, you know, when I saw this happen, my wife was very uh, surprised how well I took the loss. Uh, and uh, and just, well, you know, and but I knew that from that point on, I thought, well, I need to take control. This is, the, the reason why I lost it is that I was, First of all, I was busy full time uh, working, so I couldn't manage my own my own money. So I had you know I had some money managers, and then they you know they were investing kind of like they were paid. They didn't care how much the return was; they were paid based on assets under management. So they were paid like two percent of the assets and the the money they were managing for me. So they didn't they didn't care how well the portfolio was doing. And then the rest was still in stock options um and part of it i didn't have time to manage my own money and this is true of so many people that um they're working so hard to save some money and then once they save the money they don't have time to invest it and then invest it wisely and uh, i think this is kind of a a decoupling here um and for me it was the same thing as i realized that I, i need to get the time i need to buy my time back and, uh, I need to start this the way to do that. I want to be in control of the investment. If I'm going to fail, I don't want the stock market to fail me. I want to make a mistake or, or the market changes and you know, the business doesn't work. And yeah, okay. That didn't work, but at least it's going to be my fault. I was in control of what I wanted to do. And that's uh, awesome. So that, and I keep, yeah. I keep,
1: Keep taking notes over here while you're doing yeah. this stuff too, because you keep bringing up like all these other things that like, we should talk about this, you talk about that. Yeah. Um. But I, I love that you made the choice, the decision to just take control of it and move forward. I think that that's the the biggest thing of moving forward is just learning from those mistakes and taking them and saying I'm not going to make the same mistakes, and make them in a bigger way. So you start to get a little bit of bumpers on there. But then moving forward, let's play out the scenario where somebody does say, okay, I'm taking the leap and then they start going down the road of trying to find their first property, their first multifamily, I find a lot of people that will go, well, it doesn't work. And I go, well, why? Why doesn't it work? Well, I tried it. Well, what'd you try? Well, I, yeah. I tried real estate. What'd you do? Well, I tried to find some deals. How? I called realtors. How many realtors did you call? Three? How many properties did they send you? One? What'd you do with it? Nothing? I'm like, yeah, you're right. It, the business doesn't work. It's a, so hearing that most people yeah. will make a couple of calls and just quit, because they yeah. hear from somebody who has no experience or credibility telling that it doesn't work. Yeah. And then I heard you talk about how you had to call about a hundred people when you first started to get three that responded, and yeah. all the realtors you were calling were telling you that the deals you were looking for didn't exist. Yeah. but miraculously you found them. happens. Yeah. Yeah all the time. So I would love to dig into how you, cause that is a, a real, when you don't know any better and you don't have the confidence and somebody tells you that doesn't work, that doesn't exist. What did you hear that on a podcast? It becomes hard sometimes to believe that, you know, you feel like, oh, maybe they're right. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Cause I think so many people listening to this podcast are going through or have gone through that and given up. Yeah.
2: There's a couple of things that I want to say about that. So I think I like to. You want. To, you don't want to waste your time. You want to be efficient. In, so there are deals out there, and there's so many different ways. I, I'm focused a lot on real estate, but there are other investments that I also do. But if you just focus on real estate for a second, um, there are so many ways to make money in real estate. You know, and then you're gonna you're gonna go and you're gonna say, Oh yeah, this guy made money in the multifamily. This guy made money on. The, on the mobile home store sell, storage you can you know, blah 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 wholesaling and this it. many ways to make money in real estate the key here is to find the way that works for you and you have to look at a couple of things you have to look at how much time you have to devote to uh, to that strategy whatever strategy you want to do you want to make sure that you have the right resources that means money I means capabilities uh, in order to do that. But typically it's money, my time and money. These are the two big ones. And then kind of what's your goal? I'm assuming everybody's goal is to achieve financial freedom. The first thing you should do is buy your time back <clears throat> so that you can invest full time. You can dedicate yourself full time to managing your money, managing your yeah, managing your investments and stuff. So once you do that and you say, okay, but this is what I want to do. And what are the strategies that are available? And I talk a lot about it in my, in my book, Stop Trading Your Time for Money. I list all the different strategies that could generate passive income and then kind of rate them in terms of how much time you need and how much money you need. Uh, I have like the, uh, an investment quadrant, I call it. And then you kind of want to be kind of in the bottom left-hand corner. And then you're left with like turnkey single family rentals. You can do hacking, house hacking. PML if you have enough capital so it kind of like goes up a little bit in terms of the amount of money you need. Um, you could do wholesaling you can do these things so there's some things like that that um, you can focus on at the beginning, if you have tons of money and lots of time, then you know this, you can do the full spectrum of things. Um, if you have. <clears throat> if you have a lot of money, but no time, then maybe you want to do turnkey multifamily or turnkey mobile home park or something like that um, so. You have to pick pick and choose what you want to do um so now you have identify your strategies you find, figure out what kind of like criteria you're looking for which market you're going to go into and all of that and then this is where um some of the more uh the harder work kind of like comes into play so kind of finding finding the deals who you're going to talk to if it's something that you're going to do remote uh, for us, we had to do, uh, you know, we were investing out of state. So we needed to find like a realtor. We needed to find a property management company and all that. And uh, my son basically called like, you know, hundreds of people uh, to figure out, you know, two or three that would work, uh, that would actually respond. And um, and then we kind of like uh, interviewed them, see if they were work for us, blah, blah. But there's a lot of work. There's a lot of uh, things that need to be done in order to get these things off the ground. And uh, that's why that time, time is kind of of the essence here. Like if you don't have the time to do that, I was lucky enough to have like two sons that were interested in real estate. And then they did a lot of that grunt grunt work or leg work, uh, phone work uh, to get these things off the ground. And um, yeah, I mean, and then after that, you kind of focus on that. And there's still more work after that that needs to be done because then you have to, you figure out your system. And your your biz, your business model so how do we how do we make this work at s- scale I always think big first so I always think about you know building a massive portfolio what would it take to build a massive portfolio and, um, and that led to other decisions after that for us as well I, why we started the turnkey business instead of continuing to be, build that passive that massive portfolio
0: if you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner whether you're beginner intermediate or advanced any way you're looking to get it on a residential commercial land development wholesale and fix and flips whatever it is let's find a way to get you involved in some projects get you some properties whether you want to sell some properties to me whether you want to buy some properties from me whether residential fix and flip cash flow multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals go to www.nicknicknick.com Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nickandnick.com links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today.
1: I love that, man. So it's such a great transition into turnkey because for people that listen, they go, I've tried that. I don't want to make the calls. I don't want to put in the time, but I'm still in a position where I want to start making some money on my money or I want to start building a portfolio or some assets on the books. That I think is exactly why there's such a high demand for turnkey. So yeah. for people who don't really know what that is, and they touched on a little bit earlier, but can you talk about what a turnkey property is and what some of the benefits are versus everybody who's looking for like a burr out there. Mm-hmm. So Turnkey
2: Rental is basically a property that was renovated, has a tenant in place, and uh, that is ready to go. You basically buy the property and everything is set. Uh, we, at Martel Turnkey, we also connect you with a property management company, with insurance, the lender even and uh, for you to basically buy this property and it's cash flowing from day one the tenant is in place before you you close on the house so you know what the rent is you know what the price is you have everything in play and uh, yeah people can buy you know they can build a portfolio just like this i mean i have we have a couple of people right now a couple of clients one of them is is buying 16 houses at the same time um so you know it's just you can build a 16-unit portfolio very quickly. Something you can't really do with BRR. Um It's kind of hard. You have to have uh, the BUR. method uh, I meant to explain what the BER strategy is too, because uh, BRRRR strategy is kind of like uh, you buy a distressed property, you renovate it, you rent it out, then you refinance it. Then you get most of your money back out, and then you repeat, you do it again and um, that's what we do. we were doing initially, and it was, um, it's not as easy as it sounds, uh, you know, the renovations takes longer than expected, sometimes it takes longer to find a tenant, the tenant doesn't pay the rent that you thought it would pay, you, you know, you have all kinds of issues that could happen, and it's not, it's not, uh, it's, these are not hard to figure out problems, you, any, anybody can figure them out and, and make, make it work and as long as they have the time to do that to manage the project manage the the renovation and find the right property management company and all that kind of stuff and they have the money to basically invest in that uh, in that rental property so that's that's the trade-off here it's kind of you want to do you want to if you don't have time then i suggest that you do turnkey Uh, you can buy, you can build your passive income portfolio a lot faster. And then once you have your time back, uh, then, you know, then you can do whatever. If you want to do burr, uh, yeah, you can do burr. You can do all, after that, you can do all kinds of things. You have your time back, you can explore and, uh, and get more investors on board with you. If you have some kind of uh, things you wanna do that's big and you say, okay, I'm just gonna get some investors together. Yeah, you have your time. It makes a big difference to have your time back
1: more than money. That's awesome. I second that I think time is an extremely interesting asset. And when you have more of it, you can just double your efforts and double or triple what you're making on your part-time stuff. That's a beautiful part about real estate and being a business owner. Okay. Um, so on that, some people I think might be semi-concerned, of, well, where are we with the market right now? And I don't think that they realize that, you know, I'm, I'm a New York, Chicago guy, you're California guy. When the market turns in our market, some of those swings are big because they're higher dollar values or more volatile markets. You can ride the appreciation, but sometimes you have to have the, the recession side of that as well. The markets you're talking about, like Cleveland and Memphis, and some of these other ones, are more cash flow markets. So I think that there's more of a stability in there that they didn't have those big swings when the market dropped. And again, if you're investing for the cash flow for long term, not for I want to get in and out of this in six to 12 months, that's, that's not, I have people I sell turnkey stuff to. And then six months later, they go, I want out. I was like, what? Well, it's not how it works. We would have had a totally different strategy. For some people that are looking at that stuff, can you A, talk about some of the benefits of investing in those two markets that you're you're mostly focusing on? And then B, just give some number examples of like, what's a, a typical deal price point return X, Y, and Z for like a Cleveland or a Memphis type turnkey property?
2: Yeah. So uh, some of the advantages, I mean, this, this is the reason why we're investing in these markets. This is, uh, these are good property good cities that we're investing in like memphis and cleveland and st louis and now detroit just outside detroit um you know i know some people are gonna say detroit but uh or memphis (laughs) but you know you have to find your right neighborhood and this is why your team on the ground is important i mean we are we can i can go in any city and find a bad neighborhood the question is can you find the good neighborhoods where it's going to make sense so um So that's that's one thing. So, again, you know, the criteria with landlord friendly, we want to have something that's that's growing in terms of population, in terms of the GDP of that particular metropolitan area and, um, you know, and then also kind of where the numbers numbers work. So low unemployment and all all that good stuff, business diversification and then the median house price, the the affordability, basically, and so that's kind of why we pick those ones. And we think that uh, even in the future, I think we've seen a migration right now, I uh, guess, to the, some of the big cities, but uh, like uh, Austin and like uh, Vegas and stuff like that from the coast, more inland to save money or to Florida um, to save on taxes. And, um, but we also see something going in that more people going in the sunbelt as well. So that's just something that is kind of interesting. Um, and um, so this, this fluctuation or this migration is, is gonna help the markets where we invest in as well. Um, so we're seeing you know, more, imp- more demographic or more people moving into these, uh, to these kinds of uh, location because there's all, there are a lot of jobs there. And uh, it's the cost of living is significantly lower than, than other places. If you live in California or San Francisco, I mean, God, you're a killing going, going to Cleveland, that's for sure. So that's one thing. A typical house in that we rent for this is in a B and C class neighborhood. So this is working class neighborhood. Um, some, sometimes they call these kind of hu- these kind of houses like work, uh, working, work, work housing. Workforce housing. <laughs> work for, workforce housing. Thank you. Uh, workforce housing uh, kind of property. So you know they're, they're working people. They're working Americans, and then they are uh, you know they're going to pay their bills. They are very proud of their. They uh, where they live and all of that, and um, so the typical house would be around one hundred twenty thousand dollars. We would rent them for about you know eleven twelve hundred dollars a month, and you pay the property management, uh, the ins- property taxes, the insurance, uh, and you pay your mortgage after that. Assuming you uh, you mortgage like eighty percent of it. Um, And then you end up with probably like around $300 a month uh, in net cash flow. So everything is paid up. So, you know, so 300 is about, uh, what, $3,600 a month. And you probably had to put like $30,000 down, including closing costs. So, you know, you're making, you know, over like uh, just over 12%, I think that's right. Just over 12% a year cash on cash return, right? So, so pretty good. Think, oh, maybe percent. 10%, 10%, so pretty good. Anything, anything above like 10% or 11% is a uh, pretty good investment. It's pretty uh, hard to beat.
1: I think people forget that too, that I'll see deals that they look at them and the return, maybe the, the quote unquote cap rate on it isn't outstanding, but if your cap rate is higher than whatever your interest rate is for your funding, and then your cash on cash is double digits, and you're yeah. not having your money in anything but a bank account where you're losing money right now to inflation and to all these other things. It makes sense to do yeah. like I've heard you talk many times, even like not that I would push to start with a breakeven deal. But if you did at least put your money in like a basic break-even deal, you got more than seven or eight percent for inflation on that. And then you got the write offs and the depreciation, all these other things. You're still yeah. winning versus almost yeah. any other asset class right now. Yeah. And the
2: key for asset protection is leverage. Um, So real estate is great for that because you can do, you can use a lot of leverage. There's not many asset classes out there where you can do long-term 30 year left 80% loan to value. I don't know any. So it's only real estate. And the advantage of that is that you get your money upfront. Let's say on your $120,000 property, you get a hundred thousand dollars in, uh, in, as a mortgage as a loan well yeah you borrow a hundred thousand dollars today but everybody knows that a hundred thousand dollars 30 years from now is you know what are you going to be able to buy with it you won't, you know a bicycle maybe so you know that's uh now you can buy a car know that <laughs> or a house now in you know in uh 30 years from now it's going to be the purchasing power of that same hundred thousand dollars but you're, you're going to be paying that. You're going to be paying that la- later on. And uh, this is what, how important this, uh, this leverage is. It's, it protects you uh, against inflation. And this is why so many people, when you, there's a fear of inflation or hyperinflation, this is why real estate is, uh, a lot of people are moving into that because for the long term. Yeah, the interest rate is a little bit higher. Yeah, but it's still a good time, especially and the interest is higher because we think there's going to be high inflation. So you want to get you want to get in on a mortgage so that you, you can protect yourself against inflation. And then you have appreciation on top of that. And you know, and even in these markets at the Cleveland, in the last couple of years, we've experienced like um double digit appreciation in the in the market where we invest like 15, 18 percent in some of them. So, you know, I'm not saying it's gonna. It's going to happen in the future like that every year this is absolutely unusual but we've seen you can see that there's increased demand in these markets for
1: for these reasons i love that man and again if you're buying it for the cash flow and it's getting paid down anyway who cares like you're you're forcing appreciation with the pay down anyway even if the market doesn't appreciate which over time, it, it's it's real estate. It's it's historically just going to. So I, I love these kind of topics, man. I could talk about these for days. But I also do want to touch on something that uh, was a nice surprise. I think it's a kind of a new topic for you. So I don't know if you've discussed it on many other podcasts yet, but your token funding project is super interesting. I know nothing about that stuff. So definitely yeah. let me hear what, kind of what you got going on there.
2: Yeah. So what we found, we found that there are a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, we keep talking Oh, you know, all you have to do is put $30,000 down to buy a rental property. And you know, this is great. It's like a lot of people don't have $30,000. Um, so they think like, well, this is very fine. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. But uh, <laughs> so that, uh, so, we, you know, this is a big problem for us. I think everybody needs to, uh, to be able to, kind of invest and have a piece in that in that real estate market and have the cash flow have the appreciation and this is why we uh, we decided to start a, a tokenized real estate fund so this fund will own is just going to be a company it's going to own a, a portfolio of rental properties so it's going to hold it for long long term uh, and it's going to do cash flow and it's going to do also, obviously, appreciation and it's going to continue to grow. So we're going to continue to bring in uh, more investment uh, and buy more properties with, uh, with the funds. Um, the advantage of this is that we're using the blockchain technology to do this so that you can really track. Uh, and it's very, very transparent kind of what kind of transactions are happening on the fund. So that this gives you that clarity that you don't normally have in other investment in a syndication, for example. Um, so we have, we have all the tracking that's done by the blockchain. Uh, so that solves one problem. The other problem that we have is a lot of people, they invest into, um, into a syndication, okay. but their money is locked in for like three, five years. And they just see the returns only after five years so what happens if they want the money in the middle of that they have to kind of beg borrow and steal uh and to, to get their money out and um uh, so with this blockchain now this particular um uh, your investment your token that you're getting is going to be you're going to be tradable you're going to be able to go in an open exchange uh to basically trade that token for uh you know for money and that you get in your wallet in your digital wallet and then you can spend uh, whatever way you want we um so that's that's the advantage of that at the beginning just to get it launched we're just uh, just for this first phase we're using only accredited investor accredited investors but uh we're starting to file the what's called the reg a um, with the sec and then we'll be able to accept funds from anybody We are we accepting investment as little as fifty dollars. Again, you know we don't want we we want to solve that problem of people that don't have thirty thousand dollars. So if you have fifty bucks, you can invest in in our fund um, and then see the appreciation and also get cash flow. So we're going to pay cash flow for the first year. We're probably going to be one year, but eventually we want to we want to be able to pay cash flow at as soon as like a, a month, maybe even faster than that, if we can do it faster than that, we'll probably do that. And that's paid, the cash flow is paid in, uh, the distribution is paid in the uh, in US dollar, the, the digital currency of US dollar. So it is not like, we're not paying in crypto or anything like that, we're pay, paying in uh, USDC or USDT, which is a stable coin that's pegged to the US dollars.
1: That's pretty incredible. So it's a way for people to get in, with a lower barrier to entry, and actually use things like crypto to start to build up some cash flow, some assets, and some portfolios with you on the real estate side.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the advantage, yeah. So this, so we are, we're trying to get get this uh, growing. We, we're the first fund that does it this way that use the blockchain to get in on a company that uh, does uh, portfolio of single family rentals. So we're pretty, uh, and obviously we know the business. We have a solid track record. And we, um, so yeah, so we're going to be managing the fund, we're going to find the properties, we're going to do what it takes. And then, yeah, we're going to do some pretty good returns.
1: That's awesome. Great, man. So a couple more things before I let you go. I don't want to take up your whole day. You've been very nice with your time. But I do know, like, so on on my side of it, I'm always fascinated by guys like you that are building a business of dispositions, because obviously your turnkey stuff, like the, the big part of that is having those sold and making those relationships. What are you doing on a day to day to manage or Like, what is your dispositions process look like as far as keeping touch with your buyers, keeping them updated, having those conversations, like figuring out who are the tire kickers who are the butt kickers like where to focus on you know do you reverse engineer based on what they want or you just have the properties and then you send it out and it's first come first serve i'm just i'm always fascinated by the differences in these processes yeah so for us i mean we have
2: uh we focus on acquisition i mean we found we found our business model where we know that this is the kind of properties that we buy this is the price range that we're we're buying them at and this is what the, uh, the market rent is gonna be. So we find, we find basically distressed properties that, you know, that uh, needs a little bit of work that nobody wants to buy. And then we put them through the process. And before we buy, we know already kind of like what the rent is gonna be at market and also what the after repair value is gonna be. So what we're gonna sell the property at. If it doesn't make sense for us, if these, these numbers don't make sense upfront, we just don't buy the property. So that's the first thing. So all these properties, they follow the same model. They follow the same renovation. We do the same renovations to all of them. So there's no figuring out. I mean, we're, we're buying, we're selling like 15 properties a month. So there's no, uh, you know, you, you don't have time to, oh yeah, we want to have a, this wall, this color here, and we should do some plants, some trees at the front and all, there's none of that. So decisions are made. They, they're, they're canned decisions from that perspective. Um, then it goes through the process and on the sales side. So we have two people handling the ac- uh, acquisition. Um, we have one person that's handling kind of like the whole, uh, everything in between the, the renovations and stuff like that. And then that roll over to a uh, sales. And then we have three people on the sales, uh, sales team that are really managing the buyers through the process with the lender, with the insurance company, the property management company and through
1: escrow. So that's, uh, that's how we're doing it. That's awesome, man. So this is all fascinating stuff. You've obviously taken all of your background and all the different things for not only understanding real estate, but understanding how to run a business, which I think is a huge piece that's missing from there and created a very successful product, man. So I I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you going over your processes with me today for people listening. How can they work with you? What are ways they can contact you or follow up for maybe properties for this, uh, for the, for the token funding projects, talk all things, Eric Martel.
2: Yeah. So I'm the, uh, Martel Turnkey, this is our the business that sells the turnkey rental property. So then MartellTurnkey.com. Uh, the, for the tokenized real estate fund, um, you can look at martelinvest.com. If you're not, even if you're not um, an accredited investor right now, I suggest that you go, you go in, you look at the documentation, you look at uh, what we're doing. And just you entering in there, you're going to be subscribed to, to the platform. And once the, the reggae is filed with the SEC, then we can let you know that hey, we're open to all kinds of uh, all investors, all retail investors. Um, and then there's also, if you're looking for me on, the, on social media, so uh, you can look at my personal website, marteleric.com. In there, I have all my links but I'm pretty active on, active on Instagram and TikTok, believe it or not. Uh, Eric Martell official uh, on both of these platforms.
0: Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzies. Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He's played all over the world and he's also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833. 632 0585. Again, text the word drummer, D R U M M E R, to the number 833 632 0585 for your free online drum lesson.
1: That is outstanding. So, uh, a couple of final things i like to call in the Victory lap before I let you go. And for anybody listening, all of those links will be in the show notes. You can just click away and follow him and contact him. Um, but as we move forward here, is there a specific book that you would recommend that you like? right now that kind of sticks out to you that the audience might want to check out
2: yeah my book obviously stop trading your time for money (laughs) was that a plug was that set up for a plug But you know what if
1: you you believe in it i'm all for it
2: absolutely believe in it so obviously i i wrote it to help people i think everything that you need to to be successful is in there Um, so i definitely recommend it Uh, The other thing to that, the other book that I like is uh, kind of what got you here won't get you there. So this is another book that um, and it is kind of talk about things that you're doing when you're working full time and then kind of realizing that, okay, well, yeah, you're here and you were doing pretty well. You're pretty successful, but you want to you want to go there. You want to be financially free. And basically coming to the realization that, you know, yeah, you were successful to get here, but in order to go to the next level, you need to do something different. And this is a lot, touch a lot about mindset and uh, kind of figuring out how to go, to the, take the big step.
1: I will absolutely check that out. What is one of your favorite quotes?
2: Oh, I think it's, uh, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You're always, look, you're always short a couple of millions. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> And that's so true. I mean, I just like, uh, you know, we do a lot of investments for all kinds of things and we, you know, we have access to a lot of capital and it seems like it seems so true that uh, we always, we're all, always looking for money. So, and the point that I'm trying to make here is that if you're an investor, if you want to invest or you're just beginning, always focus on other investors, build a solid network of investors that are, are willing to work with you invest with you and in you um so that's that's always very critical and make them grow if you grow their portfolio their investment their money then they're going to continue to invest with you as your projects get bigger
1: and bigger that's excellent and uh, last question you're being somebody that has involved his entire family in this real estate business what is some advice you would give to somebody who wants to get into business or investing or real estate and has an unsupportive spouse or business partner
2: yeah, you have to get your uh, you have to get your spouse on on uh, on board. <laughs> that's uh, that's very very important. I mean, you can do it as a kind of I guess it's, this is what I do. I do invest real estate investment. You can continue to do your job and then, but they don't. The, your partner doesn't have to be involved in what you're doing, but they just have to realize that this is what something that's important that you want to do, and this is the game plan, and then communicate uh with your partner kind of what what you're what you're doing I think this is important um, because it affects a lot of your finances right so um, if you you know if you want to save more money you want to get more money uh you know cut down on expenses uh, you want to uh do a HELOC on your house and all of that uh, in order to invest so you need to communicate with your partner saying hey this is the game plan here I'm going to take a HELOC on this house, because I'm doing a flip here, or I'm doing, I'm going to do this or something like that. So I think it's, you have to communicate with your partner, you have no choice. It doesn't mean that your partner has to be involved in the business if she, she or he is not interested in it.
1: I love that. And I echo that as well, that communication or lack of communication is almost a killer every time in business and in life, just there needs to be more of that. It solves a lot of those problems. So I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you giving us your time today. Thank you so much. You, sir, bring your A game and everything you do. And You've definitely done that in this interview as well. Any final thoughts before I let you go about your day out there in LA?
2: No, I think it, what's important is people need to take action. So that's, uh, there's a lot of videos. There's a lot of, all the information is out there to get it done. Uh, so let's do it. Okay.
1: Eric Bartelli, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day.